Welcome to the Playing Hooky Podcast with your hosts, Rachel and Nathan, brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com, consistently rated adequate. Welcome, everybody, to the Playing Hooky Podcast. My name is Rachel. I'm Nathan. And thank you for joining us today. After our long absence, I can assure you, fair listener, that we are back on our regular schedule, mm-hmm. which means bi-weekly we will be putting out po- 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 podcasts. Po- po- podcasts. And with that, mm-hmm. what are we talking about today, Nate Dog? Well, so the other, the other day, um, it was a different day than this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had... So let's go back to the beginning. Sorry. I've been I've been reading a lot that more That was me books. rewinding. Thank you. Yeah. That was good. That was a great sound effect. Yep. I will not replace it with a better one. Okay. I'll keep it in there. I feel like you will. I won't. I definitely won't. Uh, in fact, I'll use that one for every future rerund, reround well, sound let me, effect ever. Let me, uh, let me do a good one, just like a clean take. <laughs> if you're laughing, then it's not a clean take. Okay, you gotta be quiet. So this is like a don't smile, don't laugh thing. I shouldn't smile. You, you can smile, but you can't laugh, or I, else you owe me like a coke or something. You won't. You won't drink that coke. You're right. I won't. What would, what's a beverage I would drink? Please, Tyra. A chocolate milk. I will drink a chocolate milk. You owe me a chocolate milk if you laugh. Jinx, you owe me a chocolate milk. Yeah, Jinx, you owe me a chocolate milk. Okay, you ready? Clean take, clean take. Well, now the fizziness of your water is going to get picked up on the mic and the rattling of the ice in your cup. Mm. Oh, Nathan, this is some low quality, low quality BS. Low quality, low quality podcasting. Okay, zip it, exhibit, zip it. Ready? One, two. There we go. Okay, what were we talking about? Uh, <laughs> no, I know what you're talking about. So I've been reading a lot more. You read a lot. I've been reading a lot more than I was reading before. And I never know what to read. And so I have been saying to Rachel, why don't you just go pick out like three books for me and I'll put them in order and I'll read those. And one of the books that she had me read was a small book. Would you call it a novella or something of that nature? Yeah, maybe Anyways, a novella. It's a small book. It's called Flatland. It's by Edwin A. Abbott. Uh, Flatland, A Romance of Many Dimensions. And I was like, what is this? I never heard of a book about dimensional romance. And it's got all kinds of cool, like, eye trick things. Um, optical illusions, I yeah, think. is what on the this, cover. Yep, yeah, yep. eye trick things. That's what they taught me <laughs> in school. And uh, so I read it. And after reading it, I was like, it kind of reminded me of a, of a movie, mm-hmm. of a movie that you hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that movie was called, is called... Interstellar. Yeah. And uh, why it reminded me of Interstellar is because th- they have some very vague similarities. Sure. So well, Why don't you tell the folks at home, spoiler alert, a little bit about what Flatland yeah, is about. So it's also, who cares about your spoilers? Because I'm pretty sure this was It's written, over 100 years old. Is uh, I think first published in 1884. Yeah. So, so. It's, an, it's an interesting book about um, math in a way, but it's, it's more than that. But basically it is about... Um, I, I wouldn't call them people, mm-hmm. but they're essentially like they're quote flat unquote landers. people, right? Yeah. They're they're creatures, they're humans, but they live in two dimensions, mm-hmm. uh, if I remember correctly, and like they are able to interpret or see or somehow like understand mm-hmm. one dimensional creatures. And they kind of like give you all like the fun little math of like how they function and how they're all shapes. And so they, the main character, I don't remember if they give a character a name. I don't think they do, but he's a square. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's essentially a shape Mm -hmm. and they go all about how like their lives exist in this two dimensional world and how it's just very complex in that regard. Like, yeah, it's just like it's sort of like reading the first chunk of this book where he's explaining their world and how they live and how they're all these shapes living in this two-dimensional plane. Mm-hmm. It's very much like a kid sat down and was like, I'm going to make all the world building for yeah. this book I'm going to write someday. Here's all the rules to how this yeah. world wo- works. So it, it almost reads like the, like the flavor text of... A tabletop role-playing game. Kind of, yeah. But not in a bad way. A lot of people might go, oh, I don't want to read that. Why would I want to read that? But like, this is all the flavor of these 
people, we'll call them people for lack mm-hmm. of a better term, that live in two dimensions. Mm-hmm. And they are shapes, squares and triangles and and um, Lines. octagons. Yeah. Li- right. And, and how they function in this two-dimensional world. And this character is able to see by happenstance, he walks into the one-dimensional world. Mm-hmm. And he begins to tell them, you know, like how strange it is that they function in one dimension and, and like their one dimensional King, you know, begins to like, he's like, Oh, that doesn't make sense. Like, Mm -hmm. because that's not how things work. And he's like, no, I can see you and you're this shape and you're this shape. And the King's like, nonsense. This is, these are lies and Mm -hmm. this is gibberish and it's nonsense because they can't understand two dimensions because they only exist in one. Right. And then there is, Later, uh, towards the end, an experience where this something three-dimensional. Super, right. Something supernatural or paranormal happens right. to this like one di- uh, two-dimensional creature. Where do you remember? I think it was he sees like a, a line that gets bigger and bigger and bigger and longer and longer. Mm-hmm. And then starts to shrink and get smaller and smaller again. Right, right. And what it's what it's revealed to him is, is that there's a circle that's passed through the two-dimensional space, but the circle exists in three dimensions, so it's a sphere. So this two-dimensional creature can only see what looks like a line getting getting longer and longer and then shorter and shorter as the sphere passes through his plane of existence. And then somehow, through supernatural science, this sphere is able to pull the square out of the second dimension and into the third dimension so that he can perceive it. And he sees that he's a cube, actually. And so the whole story is kind of um, an analogy, or I always get these confused, analogy. A metaphor. Metaphor. Parallelogram. I don't know. One of those words is right. Probably not (laughs) parallelogram, although it's apt. Um, It's a parable, maybe. Or something for, not parable, but whatever, uh, analogy for multidimensional space. Essentially Mm -hmm. like saying like, hey, we exist in four dimensions, the fourth one being time, right? Mm -hmm. So we have an XYZ plane and then the fourth dimension is time. And that's all we can perceive because that's what we exist in. But that doesn't mean that there are dimensions outside of our realm of understanding and vision that don't also exist. And so it's a very like non- math heavy way of explaining this yeah it's it's a pretty fun read it's quick it's easy to understand it's short and you know it's been out for a very long time i just had not had the opportunity to read it but one of the things that was very interesting to me was this two-dimensional square speaks to the three-dimensional i guess ball or whatever and he's like oh hey what about the fourth dimension mm-hmm. and the three dimensional creatures like, are you nuts? That's not a thing. Like right. that's, that, there's no way that's, that's definitely not a thing. So it's like, it, to me, it reminded me of this movie because it was like, this movie kind of deals with things that happen outside of our own perceptions. Mm-hmm. And this book kind of deals with that as well. Mm. And it deals with, Interstellar deals with travel of distance and travel in three dimensions, but then also through time and space. Mm -hmm. And then even beyond that, like it creates this very interesting perception of dimensional travel. Right. So I was like, oh, we should watch this movie. This would make a good podcast. I don't know if it'll make a good podcast, but... But it was a good movie. Yeah, yeah. So can I give you a little bit of background information about how I even discovered that this book was a thing? Mm -hmm. So again, this book is called Flatland, A Romance of Many Dimensions. Um, I'd never heard of it before, um, but uh, my calculus teacher in high school... Uh, or he was the calculus teacher. I was in his pre-calc class. Mm -hmm. Uh, But anyway, um, I was just talking to him one day, or somehow he... He became aware that I really liked Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, I don't know, like, I was really nerdy in high school and, like, not in, like, a, I was one of the smart kids. I was, but more in, like, that I was one of the picked upon. And so... <laughs> Yeah, bullied um, is. I was yeah, bullied, yeah. yeah. Um, and mostly because of my affiliation with the marching band, uh, which was very looked down upon in my high school. But uh, anyway, Probably most of them at that time. Yeah. All right. 
Who's texting you? That is a voicemail, and for some reason, I just got it eight minutes ago. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. Uh, should we cut that out? No, no. We'll just go with matter. it? It probably didn't even pick up on the mic, and if it did, it's no big deal. Okay. Why are you playing your mom's voicemail? It's just voicemail? automatically played. Um, still, you need to turn Shut it off. Up. Shut up. You remember when she called earlier, and I was like, just answer it? Now she's come back to haunt us. This is karma. Anyway. It's karmic. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he kind of like realized this this teacher in high school. I think he he's like, oh, Rachel likes Star Trek. Rachel's a nerd. Mm-hmm. Rachel's getting picked on. Um, and uh, he was kind of like, hey, you know, like, and he was, you know, probably actually didn't help me at all not to be picked on by having a teacher like me more. Uh-huh. But you know, um, <laughs> I I remember uh, he had we had office hours, yeah, and I needed help. I'm really bad with math, and so like any opportunity he gave to help out, I like tried to go because I was trying not to, you know, uh-huh. get a D, and uh, which was pretty common for me in math. Anyway, uh, so I. Uh, I went to his office hours and he helped me out with something and then we were talking about Star Trek and he's like, oh, you know what book you might like? Like, if you like that episode of Star Trek. And I was like, yeah, it's something about one time travel episode or something. And he's like, oh, have you ever heard of this book Flatland? And I was like, no. And he's like, oh, you should read that book. And I was like, okay, yeah, maybe I'll check it out of the library or something sometime. And uh-huh. then, but like, he like really meant it. Like, he really wanted me to read this book. So he brought in his copy from like 1940s copy of Flatland. I'm and assuming you gave it back to him. After I did. You read yeah, it. yeah, okay. yeah. That's very nice of you. Yeah. I lent, he lent it to me and then I read it. And then like a week later, I was like, oh, this was really cool. He's like, well, I'm glad you liked it. You know, just like, think about that. And like, you know, so it was just like really nice. So that's how I found out about this book. And, it was kind of like the perfect book for me because I, I always really struggled with math. Um, but it, this book is a really nice way of sort of explaining multidimensional mm-hmm. space to people who wouldn't be able to get there with yeah. math. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, um, and I, I honestly don't know how advanced of math you have to do to get to that place. I don't, I don't know so. either, but it definitely explains it in a way that's easy to comprehend. Yeah, I think... Because I'm a dumb dumb when it comes to math. Like, I'm terrible at math mm-hmm. and... But, like, I can understand that things have dimension. Right. And that was very easy for me to pick up. So it must be written for other dum-dums Right. To well, and, and things like, too, it's it's really stood, stood the test of time. I mean, there's some, like, weird and old-fashioned ideas about the mm-hmm. roles of men and women, but mm-hmm. it was written in 1884. So well, let's, yeah. you know. And there are women are stabby. Yeah. And so... It, it, <laughs> In, in the 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 shape people's world, the women are triangle or no, they're they're lines, and so they're stabby, uh-huh. and be, and their stabbing can like inflict permanent death and damage on people. Yeah, so they men like and, have to they have to like go in a specific room because yeah. if they don't, like they can murder you. Right. <laughs> it's just it's very interesting and weird. Yeah, so it's it is a bit like anarchistic. Like yeah, yeah, like, definitely. And there's a lot of classism in yeah. it too that I think smacks of like the britain yeah yeah and like uh, at the turn of the century victorian era yeah um yeah. so anyway it's it's i'd recommend it it's pretty good i think you know if, if you like that sort of stuff you should definitely check it out because it's very short and i think you know kids high school age kids could mm-hmm. like it and appreciate it you know you just have to have a passing knowledge yeah. of maybe very rudimentary uh geometry to yeah and even then probably so not. here's a like a brain spark you gave me it, uh, because a teacher of yours gave you this book mm-hmm. or like gave you their copy to read and then you brought it back to them. It reminded me of my seventh grade industrial arts teacher mm-hmm. brought me a book to read mm-hmm. because I, I always used to read Stephen King books mm-hmm. in his class because um, something about me, I I often did not do work in classes I was supposed to do mm. and would just like do other things that interested me instead. Mm-hmm. So um, he took like a passing interest and brought me this book to read mm-hmm. and I still have it. It's still on the bookshelf. I never gave it back to him. And more importantly, I never read it. What book was it? It's I think it's called either Queen Magic, King Magic or King Magic, Queen Magic. I don't know, but is it basically, a Stephen King book? no. So I think he thought at the time because remember this is before like Google, 
uh-huh. uh, really before the internet. I think he thought that it was one of Stephen King's pen names. Mm. And I'm pretty sure it's not. But he obviously it must write in a similar style of Stephen right. King. But yeah, I never, I never cracked the book. I never read the book. So now I do have to read that book because I feel really shitty. And you have to return it to him. I don't even know his name. Well, I, I have no way of tracking this person down. What, I'm, well, I'm, now now we have a mystery yeah. to solve. No, we have no mystery to solve. I'll just give a book to someone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll read it. Um, so you had never seen Interstellar. Correct. And I I don't know if a lot of people are into that movie or like if I know it was like probably pretty big when it came out. But mm-hmm. um, I've always really enjoyed it. I always thought it was a pretty good space flick. What did you think about it? Like, I really you... liked it. So it was a Christopher Nolan movie, right? Yeah. It's yeah. part of the reason why I was attracted to it because I'm like pretty like Christopher Nolan and like Quentin Tarantino and like a few other directors are kind of like, I'll your, always see their movies. Your favorites. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I liked it a lot. I think um, I, I tend to get it confused with a couple other movies of like space time travel movies that came out somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, I think that was when I was finishing graduate school, so I didn't watch a lot of, go out and see a lot of movies at the time. Um, but I always get it confused with Gravity, which I think is the Sandra Bullock space movie. Yeah, I've never um, seen that. I've never seen it either, but um, then there's also like the the Mars movie yeah, the that movie has... with Matt Damon with Matt came Damon. out like right around the same time. Yeah, I forget the name of that movie. I think it's just The Martian. The Martian, yeah. yeah. And I saw that and I really liked it. So like I feel like there was a swath of these space, ti- space travel movies that mm-hmm. came out at the same time. And so um, I really liked it. Um, so if you don't want any spoilers, I guess skip ahead or yeah. stop listening for just a couple minutes. Or go see it because it's been out for like... Yeah, it's been out for a while years, and it's not hard to find and you can probably rent it on Amazon yeah. for like four bucks. So I think just we did, watch didn't it. We? Yeah, we did. We yeah. rented it on Amazon. It's, it's really good. It's worth your time. Yeah. Um, but basically, Matthew McConaughey plays this. Um, so it takes place in the near distant future. So probably like 50 years from now-ish. Maybe seventy years from now. Yeah, or it could be twenty five. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's like it doesn't. Yeah, it's it's close enough to where everything is similar, but far enough away that you can tell like the shits really hit the fan. So basically, the the world is in like ecological collapse, and um, society as we know it now has kind of like shifted, and the world's not at war necessarily, but there's just been sort of like an ecological disaster. And basically, it's all hands on deck. Farming is the most important thing now. So Matthew McConaughey plays this guy who used to be a pilot for NASA. uh, Or like he used to be a pilot in the military or something. Um, Or he was he did something with like either the Air Force or NASA. It's sort of left unclear exactly what organization he worked for. I think he was part of the Space Force. Space Force. Maybe that's what. Yeah. Like now that there is like a quote (laughs) on Space Force. So anyway. Um, but you know, they needed everybody to be work as farmers to grow food for the world's population because we're starving. So he's kind of like remorse about that, but he's got a family. You find out that his wife passed away. And so he's raising his kids with his father-in-law and they're like running this farm or whatever. Um, and then like some weird sort of paranormal stuff starts to happen around the house that like his daughter's witnessing but no one else is seeing mm-hmm. and like basically if he finds out after like a, a, a sandstorm um passes through that there's some weird gravitational pull happening in her room that just can't be explained and like books are flying off the walls and then he noticed that like when the sandstorm comes through town she her bedroom window was open so all this sand comes through the room and he noticed that like the sand is falling in this weird pattern. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's this former like engineer, electrical engineer and pilot. There's a fly behind me that freaked me out. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it just freaked me out. I was like buzzing behind me. I was like, what the fuck is that? Uh, so anyway, uh, and he's like this really, really smart guy who's now just a farmer like everybody else. Uh-huh. And um, he like, looks at this like weird pattern that the sand has made in her room and realizes that oh my gosh like 
not only is all this weird gravity stuff happening in her room that he can't explain, but now the sand has like fallen in these like patterns and lines that he de- he realizes is binary. Yeah. So it's binary code for something. And so he spends all night trying to figure out what the binary code is. And it's like coordinates. Yeah. So he, he and his daughter who like sort of like stowaways or becomes a stowaway in his truck, find the court with where the coordinates are and basically it's like the government never shut down nasa uh in like they're like in a bunker somewhere like it's now it's like super top secret yeah because like nasa you know the the spending money to try to leave the planet doesn't make sense as far as they're concerned because all of their technology should be going towards like creating food, right? Creating right. food. So like space exploration or like going to the moon or going to Mars or whatever is like seen as like frivolous Yes, right. because we have to sp- expend all of our resources on like making yeah. corn. Yeah, basically uh, you also learn at the beginning too, that like they've kind of, um, they, they've kind of uh, made space exploration seem as if it was a hoax. Right, and then they, they, they've intentionally done this to like dissuade people from like wanting to do yeah. that. Or, or there's like a, a, a smear campaign on yeah. space travel. So now like everybody, their jobs are assigned based on like what they excel at. And right. so they've altered like, it's basically just the world's in a very bad place. The world's in a very bad place. We're, we're working under limited resources and no one just gets to go to college because they want to go to college and they're like pretty smart. Right. It's like, no, you are not like basically like our test scores show that there's no way you're ever becoming one of our top scientists. So you're going to become a farmer. Right. Like it's very much like we don't have time for everybody to be going gallivanting yeah. on a college campus. It's not a free country anymore. It's no, a failing world. It's a failing world. Exactly. So anyway, he and his daughter kind of like stumble upon the coordinates to where like underground NASA is, which is still very much funded by the government, but it's super top secret. And basically their whole mission now is to look for a planet or a, a solar system that will that is habitable that can support life and to be able to get there yeah and i won't get into exactly how they have discovered that they are able to do this now because that really gives away a huge plot point in the movie well i would like you to describe one thing Mm. because it was so whenever you watch a movie with a new person and you get the opportunity to kind of discuss it and we we discussed it because we watched this movie a few weeks back there was something about it that I never picked up on mm-hmm. and I just sort of accepted and makes me wonder like how often I do this when I watch a movie, but the movie, the space travel has to do with the concept of a wormhole, right? Uh, a, a black hole. Uh, well, no, yeah, no, the black hole, yeah, yeah. like the, 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 the non-spoilery part, the singularity, right yeah. the, there. So there's a, there's a wormhole that they use to get to like a far off galaxy, right? It's right at the beginning of the movie when right. they're traveling. So, so space. without giving anything away, Basically, what this underground NASA is, they have discovered that there is a singularity or a wormhole that will take you from one point in space to another point in space really, really far away. And on the other side of this really, really far away, based on the probes they've sent, there are habitable planets. And they've sent, uh, top secret, they've sent a couple of um, astronauts or explorers through this wormhole to the other side to investigate and figure out if any of these planets could actually sustain human life because basically Earth has about 50 years or so left, maybe, where it could still support all of us, right? So what NASA's doing is they're building basically a giant space station that could house the remaining humans left on the planet that they can shoot into space and slowly fly to one of these habitable planets, they hope. But they're also trying to create essentially like a way to get all of these people over to the singular, like through right. the wormhole. They have like a plan A and a plan B and plan A is taking a large population of people and like basically creating a station that can send hundreds of people off planet into wherever to some yeah. other hop. It may take, it may take a full generation right. for them to get to this new habitable right. planet. So they're doing that math yeah. or they're basically going to take like, DNA. DNA, right, and like birth new people. 
Right. And and not save anybody on Earth if that is the worst case scenario. Yeah, they're going to send like a skeleton crew of like four or five yeah. people to basically cu- shepherd all of like the, right. to Noah's Ark, all the DNA of humanity and the, the planet Earth to right. like one of these new planets that they've discovered on the other side of this singularity. So the thing that kind of bugged me about the movie that I did not like was, okay, so on this, mi- so you know, plot happens, things happen, ends up Matthew McConaughey's character, who's this sort of like retired um, pilot mm-hmm. um, extraordinaire. I it, mean, the guy knows binary, so. <laughs> <laughs> but he, you know, his, his background, it's explained to you that his background in the movie is that he is an engineer yeah. who is also a pilot. Most freaking astronauts are really smart people. They're right. not just dudes who can like fly on United. You right. know what I mean? Like right. they're they're usually really, really smart people. Oftentimes yeah. with master's degrees or PhDs, they know how to do some math, right? So he's he's he gets back into it. NASA's like, we need you to pilot this, like, you know, whatever. We here's our list of reasons why we want it to be you. So he's like, okay, and he does it and he agrees to do it. And so he gets on this ship that's flying for the singularity to jump to the other side of the wormhole to investigate which of these planets are going to be viable. And while this is happening, before they get to the event horizon, which is the part of the singularity that they can like see where they like zap through to the other side, before they get there, there's like five other scientists on board with him. And there, one of them is like a like an astrophysicist or a theoretical physicist or something. He's some kind of physicist, right? And so basically this physicist, if, if you've ever seen the movie Event Horizon where the spaceship goes to hell, it's the same spiel that Sam Neill gives to someone on that ship where he explains how singularities work and how wormholes work, right? Where essentially like you have space as a plane, but... Because the singularity, instead of getting from point A to point B that are like, you know, um, you know, 12 inches apart in the example, instead you fold space, you fold the piece of paper, the 12 inch piece mm-hmm. of paper, so that the two points on either end, you can just, they're touching, right? right? right and right. that's how you bend space time to get from point A to point B without having to travel the whole length of space, right? right. So he explains that point. So there's a, there, yeah, so this astrophysicist is explaining that point to Matthew McConaughey and Matthew McConaughey's character is like listening to it. And he's like, oh, now I get it. Now I understand. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> that's Ma- not quite how, but well, yeah. Well, right. But yeah, basically that's enough. what happens. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like, mm, okay. And like Nate's after the movie, he's like, oh, would you like it? I was like, yeah, I liked it a good movie. I was like, there's just like one part that was kind of weird. And the the part that didn't make sense to me was, was that Matthew McConaughey's character is a fucking genius astronaut. Right. Who's been wasting away as a farmer on this right. planet that's dying. And I'm like, there's no way that he wouldn't understand what was going on with this wormhole and this singularity, that he would need someone with like a super duper physics degree to explain it to him. He knows how wormholes work. He's been to like smart bad boy college. He's going to get it. And I'm like, that, and I was like, this is why it doesn't make sense. That character wasn't explaining to Matthew McConaughey how, how wormholes work. That character was explaining to like most people who watch the movie how wormholes work. Right. So... In that instance, Matthew McConaughey was the surrogate for the audience to be able to understand the science so Mm -hmm. that it made sense all of the subsequent plot points that happened after they get on the other side of the wormhole. So basically what Christopher Nolan and the writer of the movie, who I think was Christopher Nolan. I think think him and his brother and and he, he and his brother. Grammar's the hard. two of them yeah, wrote it, wrote it together. together. So basically the Nolan brothers were like, okay, we have to explain just this small tiny bit of like physics to the audience so that they understand what happens in the second half of the movie. How do we do that? Oh, we'll have this physicist explain it to Matthew McConaughey's pilot character. The yeah. only problem is, is that people who in the know are going to know that that pilot character is so smart he would not need this explained to him. Right. So that's the only part of the movie where yeah, I was like, and, that, that doesn't make sense. And I, I, uh, I've I, seen the movie like probably four or five times and I was never like, oh, he should be that smart. I was just like, that, that's the explanation. Bop, yeah, bop, I think, I think right the... Along. Sorry to cut you off, but I think the better way to handle that scene was rather than having it be a conversation between this physicist and Matthew McConaughey's character while they're on the ship traveling to the black hole, mm-hmm. right? I think a smarter way to do that, to have that device in there to explain to the audience what was going on, or like maybe a more realistic way 
is earlier in the movie when Matthew McConaughey and his daughter discover super secret NASA base. Um, she's taken aside and kind of separated from him and they like zap him and like, you know, they interrogate him a little bit once like, you know, they find out who he is or whatever and that he used to work for NASA. But his daughter is treated like amazingly. And, um, oh, what's her name? Anne Hathaway's in the movie and she plays one of the scientists that accompanies him on this journey to the black hole. Mm -hmm. And you get the impression that while he's been kind of knocked out before he gets interrogated, that like Anne Hathaway has been like hanging out with his daughter, mm -hmm. watching her, and like his daughter's very smart. She has a strong interest in science. Like the teachers at school are already saying she should become a scientist, and she's like 12 or 13. So I was like, what would have been smarter would have been to have a side scene with his daughter, mm -hmm. who like is finding all of this out that like there's NASA and there's this wormhole and there's this plan. She's finding it all out too, right? And like have Anne Hathaway's character, who's a scientist, explain it to her. Right. That makes a lot more sense for yeah. Anne Hathaway, who is a scientist, to explain to a child how wormholes are with a piece of paper and a pencil, rather than having a physicist explain it to probably a dude yeah. with a master's of engineering or who's a pilot. Anybody like her, her father, who is like this big scientist who's like been working on this formula for years, yeah. like have him, you know, any... Before they're like they've been driving for two years, yeah, and now they're at the wormhole, and fucking Matthew McConaughey's like, "What's that?" Yeah, and he's like, "It's a fucking big ball in space, bro. It's like gonna take us over yeah. there." Here's some paper and a pencil. Why do I have these two things in space? Yeah, but you know, whatever. It's a movie. And, it's a movie. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's like I think the way it was done in Event Horizon, where they explain the sort of like very basic science of it. Mm -hmm. I think even though that is a horror movie that sort of plays with the idea of like, oh, if you go to the edge of space and you go to this wormhole that, that connects, it connects our reality to hell. Um, it's very much like sort of like um, a play off of like the Hellraiser motif, right? Um, which fucking Event Horizon's a great movie. It holds up, I think. So I haven't seen it in a I, long time. I, I am, uh, I'm pretty sure, well, Event Horizon's fucking amazing. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that also is like kind of the, the concept um, behind like the Warhammer 40k, uh, like the little miniature game. Oh, is it like they jump through space oh. through like wormholes, but that like they go through like basically hell or mm. so. I, I don't know all the specifics because I'm not a big Warhammer uh person, but uh, yeah, basically it's the same. Like you, you're basically shooting through mm -hmm. chaos. Uh, I think they call it the warp, mm. and like there's all kinds of nasty shit mm -hmm. that's like around it you know and they're basically going into this wormhole and you're you're sort of like going in one end and coming out the other there's stuff in between right you know so like i think the idea is in in the movie event horizon it's not that there's a parallel universe where hell exists and the wormhole takes you to hell mm -hmm. it's that Hell exists on this plane of existence. It's just really fucking far away. And if you go through the wormhole, uh, you you bitch you in hell. Yeah. And then I, you know, and so Interstellar does the same thing where it's like this world. Minus the hell. <laughs> minus the hell. You know, like these worlds, these other habitable planets on the edge of this, you know, galaxy mm -hmm. exist. But there's no way humans could ever get there unless there was a wormhole, a yeah. black hole to take us there, yeah, right? Some way to propel us mm -hmm. that isn't like a jet propulsion. Right, so, so we could traverse right. space to get there. Um, but so I won't go into the second half of the movie too much, but the second half of the movie is really where sort of the multidimensional space stuff happens that caused you to think of Interstellar when you were mm -hmm. reading Flatland. So basically what you find out is is that there are these beings that ride motorcycles down our street <laughs> and there are these beings who um like have have the ability to communicate with us um but they exist in a different plane right like they exist in a different dimension right and so it's hard to say because they exist outside of our perception of time it's hard to say when they exist and when they don't exist. Right, but but also, like, I don't want to get too deep into that because I think that's gonna like ruin some things for people. I don't want to like completely spoil the movie. Right. But yeah, like, basically, the there are some sort of 
beings mm-hmm. that exist in dimensions where um think of like you moving through time and you're basically just a worm right like, like every moment like you could see every moment you moved mm-hmm. as like a trail right and and that's sort of like how you know they they perceive that other dimension and so they sort of like have to build some sort of way for you to also perceive and travel through those times because you can't you can't perceive it that way yeah. it's just very it's it's hard to explain and i think that one thing the movie did really really well was visualize that and to- kind of towards the end mm-hmm. it, it visualizes how that happens and i'm positive that if all of a sudden my body were to be zapped into the fifth or sixth or seventh or twelfth or however many dimensions there are right my stupid human brain would not be able to conceive or understand what I was seeing. It yeah. would probably cause me to go mad. So in, able, in order for me to be able to perceive it, whatever zapped me into this other dimension would have to create special dumb human glasses for me to wear right. that would allow me to sort of understand what I was seeing. And that's kind of yeah, where the movie goes. Like when the ball lifts the cube out of yeah. the second dimension. And now the second dimension is like, oh, my God, you are a god. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's trippy. It's it's a really good movie. Yeah, it's, and it's very touching. It definitely made me tear up. It definitely has the feels. It, it, yeah, um, it gives you the feels for sure. I, I really like it because it's it's got that kind of like Christopher Nolan tension and like not not like twists like Christopher Nolan doesn't necessarily deal in twists mm-hmm. but i feel like not only are most of his movies like very visually stimulating but they really like make you think like mm-hmm. what the hell did i what you know yeah um i think most of his movies yeah like after i've seen them i've thought about them afterwards either because the story was really compelling or the visuals were really compelling yeah. like didn't he do dunkirk he did yeah like after we saw dunkirk i was just like amazed at the yeah. scale of that movie yeah. dunkirk dunkirk's crazy because like i've only seen it once mm-hmm. and i saw it with you and we saw it in the theater and then like i'm sure i could watch it again now but like i don't want to diminish that movie yeah. by watching it on a tv oh yeah you know yeah, because yeah. like when you're like I, i'm sure we've talked about this on another podcast before but like that movie just like was so tense because of like the droning and like mm-hmm, the ticking, th- right? The, the, the sound yeah. like in the theater, you know, like that movie is pretty long too. And like, it, it wasn't a movie where I felt like it was long because the whole time I was like, what is yeah. going to happen? Here's what, what I happens to me when I watch really good movies like that. And many of Christopher Nolan's movies are like this for me. I forget that I'm watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Like if I can be reading a book and forget that I'm right. reading a book, that's a good book. Yeah. If I'm watching a movie and I'm so engrossed in what's happening, like, oh, such a good movie. It didn't happen for me with Interstellar, uh-huh. but it did happen with um, Inception. Uh, it happened with Dunkirk. Um, definitely the second Batman movie that he did. You did you see Memento? Memento, yeah. Did he do Memento? Yeah. That's the first movie I ever saw by him. I don't know if it's I didn't his know first he movie, did that. but yeah, that's, that's the first movie. That's the first experience I ever had with Christopher Nolan. I didn't know he did Memento. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, Memento is also really good. Interesting. Yeah. But anyway, you should see it if you haven't seen it. If you have seen it, read Flatland because it'll kind of give you like a different perspective Maybe. on multidimensional <laughs> space. Right. Um, it's a, it's kind of fun. They're very different things. One's a book, one's a movie. One was made well over 100 years ago. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, yeah. That's... Yeah, they are vaguely related, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I definitely enjoyed it. If you had, yeah, Flatland, I mean, it's, it's 85 pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you're not a big reader, you could pick it up and read it at least in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, so do we have any ideas for like what our, our next, uh, uh, series of, of podcasts are going to be about? Well, so I want one thing majorly from this podcast is I feel like when I am just existing in the normal world it, it, right now, uh, it's very easy to get stressed out and yeah. discouraged, um, be, to be scared by yeah. the things you're hearing and by the things you're seeing. And I think it's really, really important for everybody to be aware and informed right now, kind of regardless of what your personal um, opinions or beliefs are, 
uh, I think it's important for people to be informed and aware. But that is not our role <laughs> with <laughs> no. this podcast. <laughs> no. I think I think the value we would bring to people who are listening is to talk about fun, silly things that we enjoy, yeah. just like we always have. Um, obviously, that doesn't mean we don't care about what's happening in the world right, right now. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we're not affected. But I think for this podcast, we want people to listen to it and be like, oh, that's cool. Maybe that's a thing I could check out. Um, so I think we had an idea about we can't travel right now but this was kind of a silly off-the-cuff idea i had but why not take a travel trip around the world through yogurt <laughs> <laughs> let me explain uh i don't know when it happened in the united states i don't know exactly can't pinpoint the date but i think somewhere about six or seven years ago greek yogurt became a big deal mm-hmm and people lost their goddamn minds because we did not realize how good yogurt could be. Mm-hmm. We thought that yogurt had to be this like liquidy, kind of tart, sour, vaguely fruit flavored bullcrap that you had to put a ton of artificial sweetener in to make palatable. Right. Uh, and then all of a sudden, somebody at the Chobani Corporation was <laughs> like, whoa, 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 hold up, wait a minute. And we all like... We're like, whoa. It's like a yogurt cultural awakening. Yeah. No, no pun intended. Oh, God. <laughs> nice. <laughs> cultural awakening. I love it. Oh, that's so cute. That is the dorkiest that shit. That is I've the said dorkiest shit you've ever said. Yeah. No, not ever, but. Pretty close. I mean, you made, you made a probiotic joke. <laughs> um, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Um, that's like some shit a biology major would do. But anyway, um, so, and then it just seemed like every, it was like the Olympics of yogurt at your grocery store. It's like Icelandic yogurt, Sigis, Australian yogurt, Greek yogurt. There is a international grocery store down the street from us now where we can apparently get Polgian, Polish, I almost said Polgian, I don't know. <laughs> I think I was thinking Belgian, but wanted uh-huh. to say Polish, uh, Polish yogurt and a yogurt from Belarus, uh-huh. and like like all of these yogurts from like weird. And then I know that like we watch Mikey Chen, and there's like Korean yogurt. Uh-huh. There's all kinds of different. So if we could find a way to purchase and gather all yeah. of these yogurts, I think it would be fun to do a live uh, podcast mukbang of us <laughs> tasting these yogurts, which some people would absolutely hate because no one wants to listen to anyone eat, let alone like. That's, I, that's not necessarily like those are popular. I'm not saying let's switch over to that kind of context, but those are popular channels. Like people get millions of views watching them eat. Mm-hmm. I I think um, the around the world with yogurt yeah. is a great idea. <laughs> okay. I also think we should do something with ice cream. Oh, yeah. Because that's better. Because ice cream, ice cream is awesome. <laughs> okay. So what, was, what are you thinking with ice cream? Come on. I don't hit know. me with it. Hit me with um, it. Maybe since we, like we can take food to go, mm. maybe we should like, maybe we should pick our favorite ice creams, mm. whatever, like one flavor. Mm. And then we go to the different ice cream places around Chicago mm. and we rate them based on our own criteria and we just get really fat like we did with the hamburgers. Yeah, but the, that was pre-COVID. Are you going to feel comfortable? We won't eat in the place. Well, okay. I would feel comfortable because we can go to businesses. Mm. We can wear masks. We can, and all of these have to be like non-chain, like no Baskin Robbins, mm. like locally owned Chicago places. Okay. Buy ice cream because it's summer. Mm. Take our ice cream outside mm. somewhere where we're not in front of people and eat that ice cream. Because like I think it's important. Do we record ourselves while we're eating it, or do we discuss I, I later? Think, I think we should discuss later, unless you want to pull out the video camera and record. Well, why not just pull out the iPhone and like voice? We record could, yeah, we could definitely voice record. We could just take this. this we could like intermix the live reaction with like the after yeah, discussion. Yeah, right, exactly. We you could, would people like to listen to us talk about ice cream and yogurt? That I don't we're have eating? a clue. I don't it know, would be but weird. but I think we've done food stuff before. And I don't know if they're popular or not, but like we're not doing this for popularity. We're but doing it this. But did so give we us an have... excuse to eat four right, different right. hamburgers. So, in so one day. that, but that's that. Those are fun. Mm. Like these are, you know. So okay, so yeah, I agree. 
I think we should do a around the world in yogurt, mm-hmm. maybe a Chicago ice cream tour. Mm-hmm. I think that's also a great idea. Um, maybe when the weather gets colder and ice cream's not as delicious, we do a hot dog tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Chicago hot dogs, yeah, maybe hot dogs and beef. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, uh, we're gonna get fat if we go the food route. But I think there's also, um, ooh, I want to do a Hamilton episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got to think of something to compliment Hamilton. Yeah. So we're going to have to, at least for a month, get Disney Plus. Oh, so and, that, and we're going to have to do it soon because Mulan's coming out. Yeah. yeah. So so we could do like, um, maybe we could do like live action versions of like animated movies, like with Mulan. And okay. then like I could find a live action version of a cartoon and make you Does watch that, exist? that. Like what? Like yeah. like example? Like Street Fighter. Well, that's a video game. Um, like maybe the live action version of Fist of the North Star. I have like, not heard of any of these things. Um, yeah, there's plenty of like cartoon. I mean, we could we could do Avengers. You know, like the movie. Yeah, like Avengers. That's a comic book. It's close enough. There were cartoons. Yeah. No. I was. I mean, like we, we can brainstorm. But I think I like this idea. I like mm-hmm. this idea. Um, we could just do a Disney Plus season. Yeah, we could we could do yogurt, ice cream, and Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> because the truth is, is that while we do could still do do like you bring a thing, I bring a thing, mm-hmm. which I still really like that idea. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of stuff we want to consume, so why not co opt it into podcasts? Yeah, and and also like for the dozen or so people that listen to this regularly um you know feel free to give us ideas of things that we can do uh while we're kind of like in the social distancing not quite shelter in place covid situation another thing that i had been thinking of and i don't know if this has really got any traction or not but it, it excited me um so we talked previously on this podcast about the interdimensional time spiders mm-hmm. that haunted um, our previous abode. Mm-hmm. And um, I I think that people want to hear about um, adventures with these time spiders. Yeah. I mean, I'm down for that. Like, And, and so I don't know. You could do like we, a narrative. We or... do write some short stories. Yeah. Maybe like at the beginning or the end of the podcast, we yeah. have like a little... You know, and it could be like a radio, not a radio play, but just like ongoing. Through. Right. Well, so it's interesting too. Or maybe uh, a Patreon reward. Yeah. When when we have a Patreon, like that would be a great thing to, to offer as a reward. Yeah. Maybe not for this podcast, but you've got 2D10. That could I mean, be a I mean, Patreon. It's all, it's all utility muffin labs, right? Oh, I like, I like. It's yeah. all, it's all the same thing. I mean, it's, it's varying forms of me and additionally varying forms of you. So... It works for me. Yeah. Um, so real quick though, so we had the time spiders that yeah. ate the light at yeah. our old place. And now we have a new foe yeah. in our new place. Would you like to explain? So we're not really sure where they're from, but they're basically flies that eat sound. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> We really have a problem with insects eating waves basically basically (laughs) every place we live we have like a bug and some weirdness with like light or sound yeah so we get we get flies in here a lot not because like we're dirty or there's junk around but just like there's a lot of flies it's the summer Mm -hmm. and they come in when we open the doors but also if you stand in one room and then go in a different room it doesn't matter like you can't hear the person in the other room you can hear sound but it's always weird mm-hmm. and you can never hear the other person. Mm-mm. Like if you go in the kitchen and you talk to me from the kitchen, I will have no idea what you're saying. Yeah. It's just like it's right. Everything is like muffled, but it's very loud outside. Yeah. <laughs> we can always hear our air conditioner is so loud. Right. Our washer is incredibly loud. Yeah. Everything is loud. There's a weird sound that happens like once every four hours. We don't know For what like it is. Three or four seconds. Yeah, it's, it's like. Yeah, that's it. We don't know where it is or yeah. what it's coming well, from. I, I know it's coming from the closet that houses our air conditioning slash furnace okay. or whatever. But what it is and why it makes that noise, 
I have no fucking clue. Yeah. Yeah. Our air conditioning unit, everybody has already heard in the last podcast. It's very loud. It's very loud and it's going to continue to be loud because there's a giant intake that is directly connected to the unit and it's right across from us. Mm -hmm. So it just like sucks very loud. Yeah. So we can see just fine. It's the hearing that's a problem. Perhaps in our next residence, we will not be able to smell. (laughs) <laughs> right every or there would just be like an overwhelming smell everywhere yeah, the we smell go. of death yeah anyway. yeah so we got a lot of cool thoughts for new episodes we're actually going to do something that we've never done before mm. um within the next week or so and actually work out every episode like for the next i don't know like 10 episodes 12 episodes or whatever and like a schedule so we're once once this is up we are going to be on a regular two-week schedule. Mm-hmm. We will have a new podcast out every two weeks. Mm-hmm. You can set your watch to it just like... Get disciplined. Yeah. Right. Just like our our other... Uh, well, my other podcast, sometimes Rachel comes on, sometimes she doesn't. 2D10, that's going to come out every week, every Friday. You can set your watch to it. So that's the most important thing to me is that we are consistent with our material. Life's been real hard lately. Lots of moving, lots of diseases, lots of unrest. Not a lot of time to focus, but now we're going to regroup. We're going to try. Yep. We're going to get in there. We're going to do our very best. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, um, it's about an hour. Works so, for me. Yeah, unless you had anything else. Um, Let's see. We talked about traveling around the world with yogurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like this ice cream idea. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, we got to get our menus back from dude sometime. Mm-hmm. So that's a thing. Yeah. Um, I don't really have. I don't really have anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, you know. Don't don't leave us. We still have like the battle tech coming. Yes. <laughs> it's just we we have to get the painted minis back before we can actually play. Um, but yeah, that's coming. Um, and also, if you don't know, for some reason, you listen to this podcast, you don't listen to the other podcasts, check out my new one. It's called 2D10. You can find it on Utility Muffin Labs. You can search for it on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify, Spotify and basically wherever you can get podcasts. I believe you can find it. Let me know if you can't. I'll put it there. Um, and it's all gaming related. It's all tabletop role playing game related. And I just have fun, interesting conversations, hopefully interesting with people that are either fans or creators or somehow involved in gaming. And uh, YouTube videos will start to appear very early in September. So um, check out the YouTube channel. If you have any questions, Uh, if you'd like to come on our podcast, we're always open to have guests, people that have cool ideas. We're open. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Thanks for listening. Have fun. Go play some hooky. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Moody-licious! Yes, Your Honor? Your witness.